I'm Marcus Hutton, actor for 40 years and voice artist for over 30 years. I'm also chair of the Equity Audio Committee, and I've been advocating for performers' rights, particularly in the AI space, for the past few years. I'm Dr. Mathilde Pavi. I'm a lawyer and an expert in intellectual property, AI and ethics. I'm Annette Rizzo, a broadcaster, university lecturer, voiceover and activist of long experience, but rather lighter on legal expertise. It's my job to ask the basic questions so no one else has to. You're welcome. Welcome to the Last Human Voice podcast, exploring the moral, legal and ethical issues in artificial intelligence in the creative sectors and in performance synthesis. We'll be focusing on the legal rights and protections available to artists and performers and looking at how AI affects us all, down to the very last human voice. In this episode, we're talking about the impact of AI on visual effects and the work of visual effects artists. Now, in this episode, our guest is Yvonne Mwinde. Uh, Yvonne is a visual effects artist with over 20 years of experience on some giant projects. Um, She's worked with some of the world's top film studios, collaborating with award-winning directors and productions. And now to Yvonne's credit list. Her credit list includes iconic films and huge blockbusters like The Planet of the Apes, The Hobbit, Game of Thrones and Avatar. And that's only to name a few. Yvonne's received an award from the Visual Effects Society in 2009 for her work on Avatar. Yvonne is also an established fine artist with her works featured in several collections, including the Chemistry of Colour collection at the Philadelphia Museum of Fine Art. And she currently works and creates out of her own studio, Equeta Arts, located in Nairobi, Kenya. Yvonne and I have met virtually um, in the context of an event that was put together by UNESCO. UNESCO is a branch of the United Nations dedicated to encouraging education and preserving culture. Yvonne, you've had a dual practice. You work as a fine artist and a painter, and you also work as a digital artist, primarily with filmmakers. Being part of a production like Avatar or The Hobbit sounds really glamorous and exciting. Um, But What does the work of a digital artist actually involve on a film like that? Uh, Hello, everybody, and thank you for having me on the show. Um, What it involves is a lot of hours, um, a lot of overtime, a lot of long nights, um, but it also involves a lot of fun, a lot of challenge, and actually something to be proud of at the end, because there's nothing better than when you get to go to the movies and you get to see it on this big scale and everybody uh, enjoys the work. Hugely exciting. Can I ask a basic question? What do you paint? in something, in a film like Avatar? Oh, okay. So actually to to elaborate what matte, so my specialty is matte painting. And I think the word painting is a little deceiving because what we do is actually not paint. We think about painting. We use the principles of painting, but we work completely digitally. So just a little bit of a brief, really short history of what matte painting is. It did originally start as painting. It started as painting on glass. So the original matte painters painted on glass. They used a projection technique with the cameras to, to get the work comped at that time into the into the shots it transitioned into a digital form i think in the 80s or yes early 80s i don't have the date exactly but that's when it transitioned into digital medium and that's when photoshop became primarily the painting tool or the palette and the brushes of matte painting. It has since progressed even further um, with other tools like Nuke and Maya and 3D. So now as a matte painter, you're not strictly 
a two-dimensional painter anymore. You're actually, we work in a space called two and a half D. And two and a half D is the spine space between the 2D and the 3D. And we live in this funny little world in between. Um, <laughs> I always joke around that mad painters are a little bit stepchildren of the industry. They don't quite know what to do with us sometimes, um, uh-huh. but we're very necessary. So, um, and then on top of all of that, where we sit today is matte painting has also transitioned further into this into the umbrella or the envelope of environment artist, which is now pushing us more into 3D tools. Um, but one thing where we can always be proud of and say matte painting is we still use the principles of painting. You think about composition, you think about light, you think about if I stood in front of a canvas, the exact um, thought process I would go through with a canvas, I will go through on my screen with me. My tool and my pencil have just transformed. So we we draw on artistic ability, but we are pushed now to be more technical in the computer. That's really interesting because you saying it is the tool, that was a question that was forming in my mind, was if you're used to working with your hands and creating these visual effects, the scenes, the paintings, how hard has the transition been? Or has that happened kind of fluidly for you over the years from, from actual paintbrushes to digital tools? The funny thing is, I think it's all a big circle and and we we tend to want to complete the circle. I actually am desperately trying to go back to the tactile and the uh, my oil and my brush. I am actually trying to transition back in that journey. In the beginning, it wasn't necessarily hard. It was, it was hard in the sense that you're switching brain and slight mindset. But um, and also, I think there's the benefit of youth. <laughs> so when I was getting into the industry now, twenty something years ago, I was young and excited, and ooh, Hollywood and ooh, movies. So there is a level of excitement. So you go into something new with big eyes and big. Um, ideas. But I did see at one of the studios I worked at, I did see someone who was an old school traditional artist try to transition into um, the digital medium. And actually, that was the first person I ever saw walked out on a Friday because he actually could not deliver. So for some, it can be a bit of a transition. I've always enjoyed the mix. And that's one of the things I still enjoy till today is the mix of you know, like I learn basic coding. I don't want to have to know a lot, but I enjoy the little bit that I get to learn. So there's a small transition in the beginning. I think now, as I've done this for a lot of years, I'm desperate to paint more again. I want to smell oil. I want to touch a canvas. I want to have something tangible because it's so far removed, yeah, in this, in, in the monitor. And I think, you know, as we, I know our conversation will take us even further into the AI route. It's like, it, it's going even deeper and deeper into this untouchable, un, you can't hug a matte painting. <laughs> but I can, I can move, I can move my canvas around the house and on different moods and different days and go, oh, the light, this is where it's going to sit. So I think in terms of, is it hard? It's a transition. Yes. Is it both? I've, I've, I've stopped being a, you know, the purist for the sake of being a purist because I take this as a journey and the universe put me on that path. I'm on that path. There's something to learn from that path. So maybe now as I revisit my oil painting, it something will come to it from this journey. So I, I, I stopped kind of being 
um, I will not do this at any cost. You know, I, for a long time, I said I will not turn on a computer. I honestly was going to die in a museum. <laughs> that was my plan. <laughs> um, so I've learned over the years and as a, as a artist to grow, to grow with the process and allow where this path will take me. Right now, I'm trying to budget to take me back to my canvas. Let's go that route then and talk about the AI because that is affecting everybody. But but what you're doing, it's clearly having an impact already as it has for us as voices. So ha- how has it been changing the work that you do in your sector? Well, I'll be very, very honest. Um, I've been working for a company for now for the last nine years and I just got laid off. And I'll be very honest because I think we talk so much about the actors, the actors, its impact, its impact. Actually, their impact is now our impact because the line that was given to me was, oh, there's not enough work because it hasn't trickled down in the productions. So, you know, there is true... Granted, they might also just want to be lightening the load. (laughs) You know, we also have to take it at that face value. But the line was used on me. And the ironic thing was, it was the day we spoke at UNESCO about the impact of this was I came home to my five o'clock email, you know, the typical Friday five o'clock email. No way. But, but, yep. (laughs) But so there is actually real implications of all of this the the ai yes we're talking about it in the context of actors and writers at that time it's trickling down we are top fed yeah we're it's all this if no pixels come to us there's no work to do so but i take it with a grain of thought uh, salt i also take it as the universe is giving me a bit of a big kick in the butt so <laughs> after the processing we're back up and running and we're moving so um um but so in terms of AI, on a, on a bigger scale, the impact is there. It's shifting. And, and, you know, with visual effects and being in this for a long time, every so often there is a big shift in the, in the matrix. There's a big shift in the universe, you know, whether it be a new. When I first started, it was Nuke, which is a, product, which is a tool uh, produced by the Foundry. It's uh, compositing. It started to shift mad painters. It started, you know, so there's these moments where the, the, the staring is turned quite sharply. And, but before you could gently stay on the bus and go around with it. Now it's like by force, you have to hold on and, and hold. So I think AI is another one of these moments that's shifting us. Um, I think not necessarily because it's good. <laughs> I think it's just because it, it, it's, we've been told we should. This is the part that I think I brought this up at, our, at the conversation. This obsession with faster, quicker, um, it's really about the bottom line and it's about money and it's about consumption. But it's been very interesting because as in the last few months watching you know, the thread on, on net, Netflix, you know, the movies coming up, all this stuff. There hasn't been a less in quantity. Yes, there have been a lot of reruns, but it hasn't actually made it any better or any worse. You know, like more doesn't equal better. And so I, I find this obsession with, especially now as a concept artist, so the last few years I've been working as a concept artist and mad painter, this idea that we must give the director 100 versions or 50 versions. And truth be told, can you even make a decision from 100 versions? At a certain point, 
you are going to go back to version number one. You pick the first one, it, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you from so many experiences in, in my matte painting career where we start off, I worked the longest shot I think I worked on was about six or seven months. And I'm serious, I got to a version 120, 130. Uh, uh, uh. And to be told, can we look at version one? <laughs> and we go back to version one and it was all there. We were just not patient enough to, to develop it slowly or with some thought or with some patience, yeah? So I think AI is changing things. I, I would say in my day-to-day -day actual physical work, the tools are, I see the tools trying to come into the, it's like they're sneakily just coming into your system, into your machine. For example, Photoshop is my bread and butter, you know, program. And the other day it offered me some AI thing of, doing yep. masks mm -hmm. or something random and I tried it and my machine almost blew up <laughs> and, I was like, and I thought to myself I would do this a bit faster and better and I'd be done you know um so I think it sounds good it sounds sexy it looks good on on a pitch deck probably that oh we're using AI to get mm -hmm. this out but on a day-to-day -day basis I still believe you need a person to get it done um Mm -hmm. This is a common yes, refrain, I think, isn't it? That uh, I think amongst many artists, I mean, a friend of mine is a film composer and he was saying the same thing. He said that, you know, when he's when he's writing a score for a film, um, you know, he might have to write 140 cues for a film. And it's got to the point where if a director doesn't really have a musical language, they say, well, can you, you can you make it? And then I'll tell you once I've heard it. And he goes, hang on a minute. He said, when I was a when I was a rock musician, he said I used to write twelve tracks for an album. He said they are asking me to write twelve albums worth of music for a film, and to produce it at that high level. So all the instruments have to be played, the mixing has to be done, and then they go, oh, that's not quite working. And it's a sort of we've almost reached. We talked about this in our last episode, but actually, where what was your saying? The absence of choice is freedom something. is absence of choice. Freedom is <laughs> is absence of choice. I have a friend who's a film director who was who who became a very technical commercials director, and at forty five he went. I'm sick of it, the whole thing, and he went back to film photography, and that's all he does now because he just said I cannot stand it anymore. This whole process and i think i think this seems it's a very common refrain in the creative mm -hmm. sector i mean on the most simplistic level put a child in a candy shop and they're sick they'll be sick at the <laughs> yeah. end of it yeah. because there's just a, so much we are meant to consume there's just so much we're meant to to absorb and at a certain point cannot compute so to me that's like on the smallest level where I don't actually know what are we trying to achieve in this. But I also feel like we we hit a big hype, a place of, of, of when it was released. You know, everyone's, if you weren't using GPT chat, I always get it wrong, say it wrong. <laughs> if we weren't use, if you're not using it, then surely you're not up to snuff or you're not up to trend. And, and you know, and I'm like, but no, that just actually makes you lazy and un unmotivated to think of it yourself you know or so i feel like there's a window of hype we're riding out when we come through the place of real cons consequence sorry where people's jobs are on the line where your career is on the line suddenly is it so hype is it so cool anymore you know so 
Um, I don't really have the right answer for, I, I don't think it's going to stop, but I think it, it needs to, there's the, there's the policy level, there's a copyright level. I'm terrified to use it because I don't want something to catch me in three years when I've painted an image and someone goes, but you know what? This, I just generated the same looking image. Or, you know, I'm, I'm really terrified about going down that direction. Um, hence wanting to paint on oil. <laughs> sure. And, and if, if we think that AI is here to stay, what's your advice to the next generation of visual artists? Would you say you need to learn the manual technical skills as, you know, obviously you've moved from mate in the kind of physical, tangible space, moved down to the screen. You're saying that's not changed much to your skills and what you need to think about and deliver and compose the image. Is AI changing that and is it going to replace skills or are we adding another set of skills using the AI effectively in your work if you're a visual artist? Um, I think... That's a big question. I think, um, you know, one of the things I fear the most for, about AI is the level of junior artists. Where are they actually going to get the grunge work from? Where are they actually going to learn how hard it is to do something or the why? You know, for example, when with matte painting and the industry, every company uses its own proprietary tools and software and every company has a different way of doing things. So if you actually never learned the concepts or the basics or the fundamentals, you actually don't know how to think and apply yourself. And it's almost like you might as well have gone to the school where they ask a question and you just answer and you rinse and repeat. You know, you memorize to answer, you memorize to answer. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see what is going to happen with the actual skill sets when these guys who are coming into this now are 40, 50, 60. What is the art actually going to look like? Because is there going to be anything new? Is there going to be anything different? Um, even now, when you go through socials, it's, it's all kind of the same. It's, it's, it's just regurgitating. It's just, you know, I feel like it's just cat memes on steroids. <laughs> and it just doesn't <laughs> stop, you know. But I think in terms of I'm really worried, like something like matte painting, Will there be matte painting in five to six years? I don't know. Um, will you need people who still understand perspective, light, color? Yes. <laughs> How are they going to learn all of that stuff? Um, so I think I don't know what the full answer is. I, I always say with anyone who is younger and asking me for advice, I say, where's your sketchbook? And, and where's your pencil? And what is your thought? And so kind of keep pushing them because to be totally honest, I can't even compete with the younger kids who are who are doing work. You know, I recently um, took the did the Unreal Fellowship for Unreal Engine, and it was really exciting. And I was like, "Wow, look at all this stuff in the real time!" And they're kids, and I won't say kids, but they're people in there who can tech talk you, and they can fly through all of this machine, and 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 you start wondering, where do I fit? What am I going to offer in now the sea of quantity and people can turn it out in five minutes and you still take two hours so but I think the main question the main thing I would say from where I sit and from my point of view basics 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 and fundamentals we need to know why and we need to ask why and we need to ask how and then we have to have some humility to go all right AI is nothing more 
than a pencil. It is equivalent in my mind. I keep AI equivalent to a pencil. And if I don't know how to use it, I don't know how to control it. It's kind of no good to me. So um, that would be my my advice to young people. We've we've talked in our other episodes about I mean, agency, this word. I mean, I suppose the ability of humans to make creative decisions within the context of the work they're carrying out. And the outlook, AI-generated outputs seem to be, are largely making the decisions for you. Um, so, I mean, is there a counter-argument? Would you say that these tools are, in fact, anti-creativity? Uh, or, or, or would you not go that far? I don't think I would go that far. It might make me sound like <laughs> un, un ready to, to shift into the new yeah. way that we're going, because it is going that way. But I would say it does have a level of anti, anti-creativity in the sense that we don't know, like, how would you sign it? How would you sign that painting that came from that generation? If I sat here for a whole afternoon and prompted with words, oh, paint me a blue sky, paint me this, do this, do this, spit out an image, I think it's anti-soul. <laughs> I think I would feel terribly defeated by the end of the day. I think I would feel very weak, very empty and purposeless as an artist. But I think if I could just use it for something that maybe is boring or difficult, it's, it's, I think you have to come first with the concept to keep some level of um, of, of purpose and soul and meaning as an artist, I think you have to come to the canvas with some heart, some feeling, some ulterior end objective. Like, do you, what's the statement at the end? What is the, the finish? Use AI as a tool to maybe push you in a certain direction, but don't sit there to let AI finish the image. There has to be a level of blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> I think in terms of, I'm referencing this to an oil painting or a, or a single a fine art image. Like, it's about a journey. So, um, I don't know, I'm rambling on that one a little bit, but I don't no, I, I, really... I, I think it, I think it's an interesting one. I mean, both my yeah. kids, you know, my son just came out of film school a couple of years ago. My daughter's at doing photography at the moment, and they are kind of entering the industry as they're mm-hmm dad is exiting it i think probably. <laughs> you know, there's a so you know there's a kind of 40 year gap mm-hmm. and the conversations that i've had with both of them quite heated at times i mean you know mm. I've, I've always sort of kicked their bums and said sorry you've just got to get technically on top of your jobs you you know british art schools are very bad at that they provide facilities and tools but they just say go away kind of learn you know they're mm-hmm. not taught they're not taught technically yeah. um but what there seems to be a conversation about now, and and you're living in Nairobi now, so this is quite interesting. That mm. that, that you know that the AI tools by by sort of lowering the bar, if you like, on mm-hmm. the requirement for sort of technical skill or aesthetic decision, or you know the hard hours that you have to put in, that it's a democratizer. And I've ha- I've had my kids say, and I suppose an example is that you know there there is always the possibility that they could write an essay at the university using ChatGPT. They could, they can, you know, that Photoshop provides tools that solve problems really, really fast that they might have had to think about before that they don't worry about lighting something perfectly mm-hmm. because they, you know, the, there's a lot of leeway in the software to kind of fix all of that or even to paint light on, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you're in Africa. Um, 
Do you think that these tools are opening up the industry? Up the industry. I mean, what's it like for a young person in Nairobi who wants to access the film industry? So th- that that's a really good question, and and to be honest. This is where I fear for it the most, because we actually, one of the biggest problems we have in, in, I'll speak for Kenya, because I cannot speak about the continent, because definitely every country has such a different feeling, different vibe, different education system. In the Kenyan education system, we actually don't have art in school. We don't have that taught in schools. It's it's actually, uh, you know, that we still have the mindset of Maths, you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, uh, you know, go. that's what's going to make your family proud. An artist is still, it's slowly, you know, now that people can see that you can make perhaps a paycheck from being a photographer, you might be encouraged to, to go that way. But I would say, you know, when you said, yes, there's a democratizing element to it. But without knowledge, how is that even going to be to your benefit? Because now, okay, yes, it's democratized. I would say what's What's more to advantage is having ways of getting the work seen, of getting visibility. That's more. That's very important. That's gold. Like if you can get your work showcased, that's one thing. The thing about AI and not knowing or not creating with with any knowledge or with any grounding or with any basis is now we actually have. I'm imagining a, a, a bucket full of, of M&Ms or something, right? And they're all the same color and everyone is producing. The whole world is producing. What is actually going to make your M&M stand out and come above the pile and go, I'm going to pick that one? Which, yes, we have different, we have stories of Africa, we have different imagery, we have all of this stuff. But if if you go, for example, to AI and generate an image of what it appears thinks Africa is, you get a very uh, M&M picture or actually quite, it's full of racism, it's full of stereotypes, it's full of, of everything negative. So how is that actually going to help us stand out or be seen? What what are all the iconic movies that we know or remember or, or, or hold as, as masterpieces? It's because they stood out of the noise. But now if we're all kind of having these young people generating all this stuff from an algorithm that told them what they're supposed to think, I think it's going to be a really, really difficult challenge in the end to pull out the originality. The trick is how do we use it as a tool? The difficulty is how do we know how to use it if we don't know what to ask it? <laughs> if, like you de- uh, uh, explained about uh, painting in more light or less light. If you look at an image, how do you know if you haven't learned or you haven't had experience, it needs more light or it needs less light or it needs to be graded differently or it needs to be balanced differently. So the it's a difficult thing to see where this is going to go. I haven't seen it I haven't seen much produced with AI in terms of a finished movie or a finished animation coming out of our space. I mean, one of the things as Equeta, we are hosting, I'll, I'll do my little plug if it's okay. We're hosting a visual effects conference in April. And the conference is actually about, we're going back to the beginning. What is visual effects? You see, we don't even have that production level. We don't have studios in Nairobi that are producing work for, um, you know, basic visual effects or visual effects that is of a level that can be, you know, if you if you had a Disney turn and go, oh, send it to that studio to produce the water shots for this this uh, movie. We are not even 
in featured in that level. When you look at the continent, you don't feature Africa in that visual effects space. So when we're talking, and here already, one of the things I worry about is I see a lot of conversation about VR and XR, and we, we seem to be jumping a, a gap or a, a in between. And, and again, coming back to the simple thing of we don't have art in school. We're not discussing art. We're not uh, discussing principles. We're not discussing uh, even a very small example. One thing I find the most difficult is critiquing people here. Because of our education system and being the English model-based system, we're chasing A's. We're always chasing A's, B's, you know, marks, marks, marks. So when you actually meet somebody and you give them feedback or critique and positive critique, they take it they take it so bitterly. They, they don't actually know how to process that critique because we don't have discussions. We don't sit in a circle and discuss a shot or, or discuss a production or an image. So I would say AI is, um, it, it, it's, it's a bit, it democratizes, but it, it's shaky because I would say what's more important, we need platforms to be seen as opposed to um, AI to get us there faster. I think if that's how I can explain it. Sure, no, no, absolutely. I mean, I opened up another question, I mean, and, and you mentioned that. I mean, look, these large data sets, you know, are built on these models that produce these kind of homogenized images, this idea, this version of, a, of a, an Africa, a, a, you know, an African country. What it, well, what I mean is that Af- Africa, the idea that Africa itself becomes an AI sort of prompt rather than, you know, Malawi or Kenya or, you know, Nigeria or whatever it is. And... I mean, I, I worry. I mean, I worry hugely that 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 you know cultural voices are going to disappear. Art forms are going to disappear because they're going to be rendered irrelevant in this sort of sea of AI generated or AI assisted output. Uh, and that's and I would think that's for a, for a country that may be just trying to dip its toe, or uh, you know. A, a, like Kenya, this is really. Does that worry you? That I mean, like that can just take Kenya for example. That, that Kenya's traditional art forms could just disappear uh, in the digital space. That yeah. I think I think the challenge is on us to to see, figure out what to do about it. I think yes, it's happening. It's there. Again, the challenge comes back to how do we use this tool? How do we not disappear in this tool? Because I think you know even. If you probably wrote AI mask, you know, Kenyan mask, it's probably going to give you some random mask that also maybe it's sourced from West Africa, which we have very different masks um, and how they're used and culturally. So I think the pressure and the opportunities, there's also opportunities in a little bit of this gap and a little bit of this sea of the sameness to find the angles where we can we can access or we can bring different things that are important to us. I I think um, it just a little bit. I wish it could slow down a little, and I because through policy, through copyright, through all those bigger discussions that Matilda has to answer with the law, <laughs> and and put this safety net on us. I think it, if it slowed <laughs> down, then we have a chance to think. But I, I'm worried. But I'm not going to worry to the point of inactivity. The, where we have to go is, okay, here's a gap. Here's something that's important. Here's something that's getting lost. 
suddenly here's an opportunity. So if, if, if it was important to me to document the masks of Kenya <laughs> and show the differences, that would be something I could venture down and do. So it just comes down to, is it going to be important to, to, to our space? But I think as we start talking about it, as we start poking holes in it, um, I was just in another panel soon after UNESCO here in Nairobi discussing um, AI again. And, you know, I had a AI Kenyan, there's an AI Kenyan, I got it wrong, um, like the Institute of AI or something, Kenya chapter, <laughs> Kenya company. And so the guy who was next to me and me, he was very pro AI. And it's been going on for a long time. It actually surprised me how long he's been working in it and with it. But, you know, in in our space and in, in our environment and the needs that are on the ground in Kenya, for example, he's using AI for farming and for um, maybe uh, different logistics. So we, so we can use it so much to our benefit Outside of creativity, <laughs> I want to keep it outside the creativity chapter. So there, there is a huge need yeah. that it can be mobilized and it can make differences, you know, because come up with one clever idea and you can literally, um, what's the word, empower or transform. You could be so transformative in this space if you can come up with something on that level. On the art creativity side, we battled. I mean, that conversation was hot. <laughs> but but it's still, um, I think there's where it's going to suffer a different type of implementation, a different type of consequence will be in the artistic side. So on, in terms of history, culture, heritage, we can use it for documenting. We can use it for cataloging. We can use it, but we have to be so careful for creating because it's going to tell us what we're supposed to look like or what we're supposed to be according to its algorithm. Um, there was a question earlier about younger people coming into workforce. I, I was speaking with somebody and he actually said, okay, people are going to get into these jobs because they can tell you, I can come to an interview like this and I can pitch all these amazing AI and these things I can do. But what's interesting, I was just thinking about it the other day, once in the job, and the beauty of a project or art is, you know, no two things may be the same. And this is what I loved about matte painting. Yes, I follow the same concepts and the same tools and the same patterns, but the the project itself challenges in different ways. You know, like one director doesn't want a purple sky, but you have to make it do, but he wants it at the purple hour. And, you know, little subjective human things that make it the challenge. So now we could possibly have people who are younger who come into this space who can do the generic quick, 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 quick stuff. But as soon as it hits original or specialty or appeasing a subjective need, suddenly there it's going to just hit. The tool doesn't have the, the information to gather to answer that question. You finally as a person have to go, what does that actually mean subjectively to this person and how do I give it back to them? It, so there I think is where it, it might crack and it might show. Mm. Um, those are my random thoughts on AI. <laughs> and not random at all, actually. <laughs> no, so far from it. In this whole debate of AI in the film industry today, what voices do you think are missing? Ooh. Many voices, I think, because if we think about what is, who is AI, I think, you know, yes, it's in the machine, but who is actually running AI? I think it's like a few companies in 
I, you know, I don't have the names of the companies, but we got our five or six in Northern North America. We got our seven or eight in uh, Europe and we got our, you know, Asian ones. So it, it did, it's at the end of the day. Yes. Uh, also coming back to the word democratizing, it's not again, because who is AI? AI is a company. Let's just be for real. It's yes, it's in the machine and it's algorithm and thing, but it's driven by a source and a source is a X company in X location. So um, it, it, the different voices are not there. That's for sure. Because how do I say, stop giving me that stuff. I don't want it. I'm actually quite powerless in this whole um, flow of it and this running of it. But I really, it does bother me a lot that we say AI is this thing we can't control. No, actually, it is a thing that you can control. You can walk to that company office and put a big sticker on the door and say, hold on, cease and desist for a second till we catch up. So um, the who of AI is actually money. And money is that thing that suddenly makes us all stupid on a humanitarian, on a humane level, um, because somebody's make getting very rich and very powerful from it. So I think um, voices, many voices are missing. Um, uh, who is the who is money and the who is we know who the who's are. <laughs> They're company names and you can run them down. So it, it's not as free as as it seems and even you know when they talk about i just you know learning this the other day about the the uh, uh, web three three the new how do you say it 3.0 web three the mystery and and i had this young lady who part of this conversation we were in and she she works in she's an artist who works in the bitcoin world and in i'm sorry i don't have the total title that but i was fascinated like i was there as a panelist but i wanted to sit and just ask her questions because i am so it is so intangible and it is so unreachable and yet she's like no 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 you do this and you do this and i'm like where where i can't where do I get to this? <laughs> I, I went down a big rabbit hole with with all of that, partly with the union work, but also I went down a whole over lockdown, a whole kind of metaverse Web three rabbit hole, which at the moment seems to be collapsing a bit. The idea that suddenly everybody mm-hmm. through digital currency and that could start to you know, smart contracts and building stuff in became very very exciting. But uh, I think good old-fashioned commerce is going to win the day and knock that but I, knock but, that one on the head. Yes, but I think as and that's the interesting thing is I think as humans, just on a hum, humanistic level, we actually need boundaries. We actually need a level of you bounce to this wall and you know it's going to hold you and it's going to send you back. You know, not all of us were made to just free fall and go into these spaces that that. Are boundless, you know that when they say the possibilities are boundless, or it's, I, I'm like, mm, okay, you know, but where, where, <laughs> where, where do we stop, or where do we take a minute where we can breathe, and 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 then life experiences, you know, like the whole uh, virtual, uh, the what are these goggles and the interocular and all these spaces where AI can tell you, provide you a person to talk to. I mean. What are these conversations going to look like? Uh, this is a conversation where you will go down a different direction. It will bump around. It will go this way. It's not scripted. That's exciting. That you never know what you'll stumble on. But if it's the algorithm, really scares me because at the end of the day, it is driven by a particular few. 
it, it is. It, it starts somewhere. It didn't. It didn't start in the black, you know, in the Big Bang. It started somewhere. <laughs> um, even that started somewhere. So it's a big circle. Yeah, and that sounds like quite a big concern, um, particularly for someone whose work is so human centered. I mean, looking at the work that you do, your painting um, and your photography, all very kind of human centered. Uh, but also you've managed to to span those two, you know, working as a digital artist. So I, I think there are lots of things to be concerned about. And that's why we're here together in this podcast. But maybe could you pick one thing that, that you know, we can end on a really positive note, one thing that might actually really excite you about AI? What will excite me about AI? Um, <laughs> um, let me think about that. <laughs> um, yeah. Put you on the spot, yeah. <laughs> Okay, no, no. I think the thing that will excite me about AI is when I figure out how to use it, how it actually benefits me and stays within my North Star. My North Star being I want to paint this certain way, I want to deal with people. I want. So I think... I, I'm still working on how does that tool actually help me? How, how does it become an aid to the journey of being an artist? You know, I was, I was even just thinking the other day, why do we have these grand museums? And you walk through the Louvre and we're looking at all these master's paintings and all of these things. Um, what will 50 years from now be of, of these new collections of what will be, what will tell the human story? So AI is not, it's not evil. It just needs to be harnessed in a positive, positive kind of way. I don't have the answer on a personal level how I'm going to use it yet, uh, because I think it takes time. Um, and I think it, in the moment, it comes from you at all different angles, you know. So I, I, I hope it, it, I will start, I am looking for what that direction is and how to overcome that and how to figure it out. So I'm not against it. I just see it as a very complicated pencil that I'm still trying to put together. <laughs> but it's still just going to be my pencil. As are we, as are we all, yeah. I think. You know, we're, we've got to get over the fear and sort of see what's there, mm-hmm. really. But also question it. And, and I think that's the part. Keep questioning it. Don't ever just take it for for this is what you're supposed to do. No, challenge it a little bit. And then the answer will come from the challenge. I'm taking that away. AI is a complicated pencil. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> At yeah, best. <laughs> it's an Escher painting. It's like, I don't know what part I'm actually yeah. at. <laughs> Um, so this is a really fascinating conversation because I, I th- the, the more we speak to people outside of our own sort of performing mm-hmm. sphere, the more we're hearing, the more we're kind of hearing a consensus that, you know, that these concerns are everybody's who are in the creative space. And um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's I, I do believe it? in everything has a journey to, to, to cover. I always do think it will take its course. Um, I think like even photography, we, you know, if you can take digital photography, it was that kick to um, traditional film photography. It did give it that little jolt and shake everybody up. But at the certain point, you feel that you see that human want to go back to being challenged, being a fixed lens where you actually have to engage or, heaven forbid, walk five steps to take the picture a bit closer mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's what your composition asks for, you know, or things like that. So I, I really do believe that 
even in this digital, it will settle. The next hype thing, the next thing will come. But um, it, it's a journey and it will find it as humans. We always want to go back to, you know, the basics and the, the fulfilling for the heart. Well, most, most. Yes, I think so. And I think that I think that I, I mean, this has been such a fascinating conversation, uh, you know, just talking about how, you know, all of the kind of creative people that we speak to the, the, uh, all have the same concerns. Being human, what is human? I think it's very difficult for people of certainly of my generation to imagine being able to view a creative work without understanding that there's a human behind it. I kind of think maybe in 50 years' time, kids will really get off on the fact there that no human. a machine mm, made this. Mm-hmm. That, for me, is very, very difficult. I can't, you know, because I, I've just been brought up yeah. that way. I've been brought up admiring artists and, you know, wanting to emulate them or just loving them or whatever, that it's the, it's the, it's the human behind the work, that, 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 you know, it's the work itself and the fact that there's a person behind it is what makes me excited but maybe there's a future in which i don't know yeah. they get they're gonna go wow that was done on that system and i love yeah. that system i no, don't know. No. Do you know it's just it's just and, it's and, just... and at a certain point you know we may not be here in 60 70 years and is it our problem anymore no <laughs> um but but I, I and same you're reminding me of what i always have to remind i have a 12 year old and she'll say stuff or do stuff and i always have to um remind myself She's this generation. I am this generation. She needs to actually know this. When she comes and says, Mommy, look what I did on Minecraft, and this is where we go, and she's she's doing things like so intuitively. And I'm like, what is this? This intuitive is not my intuitive. But truth be told, when she's 45, when she's 50 in the, her workforce, if she didn't do this now, she might be obsolete at her time. So I think there's a level where we will have to let go. Maybe we don't have, maybe this is the evolution of art and the world. Granted, in 60 years, we're not here, so it wouldn't be our problem. We wouldn't be at the Louvre wondering what that painting is. <laughs> but um, I think it is, uh, it, it, it's going to ride its course. And yes, I always have to take the hat off and go, next generation next generation because our parents did the same i still remember my mom saying what are you talking about what is this stuff you know <laughs> so yeah. there's there's an element of letting go and and but surviving i think what's hard i'll speak for myself what's hard for me at this level is i don't want to be obsolete not yet i would like to stay in this a little longer like i'm enjoying the process i'm enjoying the work so it's hard because I've been challenged and, you know, at, at an older age, you, you don't want to learn the program from start again. <laughs> but if I have to, I, I will, you know, so it's, 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 a, it's also a personal challenge because I think if you have this same, if we replaced all of us with 20 somethings, I think the conversation would be very, very, very different. Absolutely. Definitely. Well, Yvonne, look, thank you so much uh, for joining us today and, you know, sharing your thoughts on the impact of AI on digital work on on, on filmmaking. Um, Just before we go, could you tell us just a little bit about where they can find you, your work? And, you know, you gave a little plug earlier. Just tell us, just give us a a quick, so if people need to, to... if people would like to go and look at your work and, and to find out what you're kind of up to, what, where should they go? 
Okay, thank you for that. Um, my three segments to Yvonne. So <laughs> on a fine artist level, um, I have a website with personal paintings, uh, oil paintings and um, photography. And that's at my name, Um On the middle level, the day job level, um, as a matte painter, um, I have my demo reel on my company website, which is equetaarts.com. Um, my reel shows the work that I have done for the last 20 something years on visual effects. Equeta Arts is our company that my husband and I formed here in Nairobi. The demo reel is of work I have done previous to that. I have recently returned back home. And Equeta Arts is um, a visual effects studio based in Nairobi with visions of doing high-level visual effects work here in Nairobi with people from the region. So we we, we are setting that path, that journey on. We're, we're going to see how we can bring all these tools and to, and everything that's been um, has been an opportunity for us to come back and share it with the places. I'm originally from Nairobi, it's home. Um, so that's equetaarts.com. And then something we identified on the third level is um, our slogan or mantra is uh, educate, cultivate and build. So we're trying to splice the three things that we're trying to do. And on an educate level, we're doing our first inaugural visual effects conference here in Nairobi. Uh, we've titled the conference Visage, and the reason for using the word Visage is because it's uh, translated, is coming face-to-face. -face. So we want to bring the visual effects industry face-to-face -face with the Kenyan creative industry. We uh, see it as visual sages, so we're bringing the visual effects sages here to see us, or VI sages. And then we have uh, Viz Age. So let's welcoming this new visual age, whatever it will be, um, to have these conversations. So we'll be running a series of webcasts, um, which we will be hosting. And we've just launched the website today. Woo! And we will be, so the conference is in um, April. So first we start and see what, and then we'll hit the next two uh, to educate and to build as we go in steps. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank so, you. Educate cultivate and build i mean i think that's a a fantastic slogan but i think b that could probably apply to the what we're trying to do something really positive in in the work of performance in the face of ai not to stop it coming but to work with it and find positive ways to do that i think she kind of embodies that brilliantly well yeah it was it struck me as we were talking just then just how probably unique Yvonne is certainly in Kenya, and I'd imagine, you know, on the continent of Africa, there can't be many people like Yvonne. You know, it's amazing how one person or one organization, Equator Arts, sounds like a brilliant organization. If it, if it can start to bring people, uh, you know, in Kenya into the into the film industry, into the digital effects industry, and to ask a lot of those, you know, the questions that we've been asking, I think that's just amazing. I'm certainly going to be following uh, Yvonne's sort of progress with this because I think it's fascinating. Yes, me too. I should be following on Instagram and, and Twitter and wherever else they appear. And I wonder if like, all three of us kind of connected with her work in a pretty short space of time, really. It's because like Yvonne's why, like what moves her is really clear. It's really well aligned between who she is as a person and her work and how she translates that in various aspects of the work, even where the environments are actually a bit 
challenging, if not very challenging. I mean, she's described a very white North American European space just for VFX and filmmaking. So let alone that can't have been easy to create such a career and bring that back to Kenya in an environment where she describes, you know, a lack of basic infrastructure like education on the arts embedded within the school system um so let alone creating that bridge between that and then the creative industries i think that was really interesting and her bringing that to ai and how she thinks about it is a very compelling approach yeah i mean absolutely i think i think you absolutely must listen to this you must go and, and take a look at yvonne's work it is so incredibly human everything she does if you look at her website the the photography the portraits the narrative paintings very human centered and that comes through and i i find it hard to believe that that's something that can be replicated that kind of emotion and experience as well that's so human i i i would be suspicious I can't. I just can't wrap my head about it. Apart from sort of very generic, yeah. low end production, I I just cannot see. Unless you change the whole conversation about how you make films. I mean, you know, directors have a vision, designers have a color palette, they have an aesthetic, um, and you know, people like Yvonne work with those briefs and also bring their own stuff to the table. And I just, I, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation. It's going to be interesting. I think the consumer in the end is going to decide and we're not seeing the consumer making the calls yet, you know, whether, whether they're just going to kind of accept what they're being given if it's poor, you know, or, or whether they're going to kind of push back and go, do you know what? This is nowhere near as good as what we were seeing 20 years ago, 30 years Let's ago. Let's hope. There you go. So we hope you've enjoyed our conversation with Yvonne Mwende. And as always, our aim is not to give legal advice or professional advice, but it's to offer guidance, food for thought, conversation, critical reflections as we talk through some of the biggest issues around AI. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with more in-depth AI discussion. But if you've got an idea, a suggestion or question in the meantime, then get in touch via X or Instagram. And please give us a follow if you haven't already. Search for at LHV podcast. And if you have enjoyed listening, and we do hope you have, do please leave us a review on Apple or Google or wherever you are listening to us now. And thank you very much for listening to The Last Human Voice. <laughs>